0: Today on CityCast Boise, the governor signed the ban on gender-affirming care for minors. So what happens now? Dr. Michael Devitt is here to tell us how the law will affect his and other families and why the ban will push even more medical professionals out of Idaho. It's Tuesday, April 11th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise is talking about. Hi, Michael. Thanks so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So you and a lot of other people, including your incredible daughter who was on our show recently, uh, you fought really hard against HB71, the ban against gender affirming care for minors, but it ended up passing anyway. Were you surprised?
1: No, because I tend to be really cynical. And so I was pretty sure that it would be signed because, you know, I had a feeling that Little was going to have to make a deal and I knew that he was not a fan of the library thing, and so he had to throw some red meat to people. And when you're under one percent of the population, uh, the bus always runs over you, and mm. our kids and our families always get run over. So it was not a big surprise. No,
0: you had mentioned to me before we started that you met with the governor's chief of staff before he ended up signing the bill for about an hour, and you had some hope for a second there that he might veto the bill. So are you mad? <laughs> are you mad at him? Even though you kind of understood his reasoning.
1: What I am, and I'm not even going to mention the gentleman's name because he was just doing his job, but quite honestly, we got played kind of mm-hmm. hard. They were just spectacularly great. You know, it was three parents with three trans kids, and then Dan Flynn, who's a pediatric uh, endocrinologist, knows his stuff clearly. And they asked great questions. They were attentive. They listened. They wrote things down. They seemed like they were really tracking with what we were saying and they were very impressed with the kids and in the end you know looking back the only reason why we met with them was because the governor had already decided and he didn't want to have to look us in the face Uh, and that yeah that you know if they would have just been on because i had to rearrange my schedule uh, everybody else had to rearrange their schedule and you know it was great that they did it but it was just kabuki theater
0: yeah yeah you heard about the robocall thing uh, mm-hmm. where Blaine Kanzadi said that Idaho Family Policy Center spent $5,000 patching people straight through to the governor to get extra calls in there uh, to get it signed. What did you what did you think of that situation?
1: Well, I know how much our kids are worth. $5,000.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now we know. So what's the plan with your family? Like, how are you planning to navigate the legal hurdles created by this law to keep continuing getting your daughter the care she needs?
1: Well, we're fortunate because Eve will be 18 before this thing actually, you know, gets out of the courts and whatever. So we're in a good position as far as that. However, to the, you know, the kind of the spirit of your question, we are very much, you know, rethinking our, our staying in Idaho.
0: Yeah. So you are thinking of leaving.
1: Yeah. And so Eve's at Boise High and Boise High is amazing. So we're not going anywhere for, you know, 13 months because, I mean, they are just phenomenal. We could not be more, um, you know, fortunate with with having her there. So we're not disrupting that. And Angie's parents are 86 years old and they're here like a mile away. So we kind of feel like we want to be with them. So we're kind of in this weird position. But um, you know in a year we will definitely be uh looking uh to move out of the state and which is by the way a complete throwing away of the past 30 years of our careers like yeah. we, had, we have a home in mccall we were going to split our time between there and here all of that gone and i know it's a first world problem i understand i'm not asking for sympathy but the fact of the matter is like that was our plan and it's totally out the window
0: well, and you're both medical professionals and mm. uh, you, you have practices here, well-established practices. So losing you uh, would be really huge for your communities as well.
1: For sure. But the, that's really part of the reason why we would leave. Uh, in fact, it's the big reason, because without getting too far in the weeds, this decision puts the standard of care in Idaho and uh, evidence-based medicine uh, on the second tier. So the reality of it is, and I realize that the legislative body is legislative and not judicious or judicial, so it's not precedent in that way. but the state uses the AMA, the American Academy of Pediatrics, American Academy of, of um, Psychiatry and so on and so forth to establish their state uh, criteria and programs and so forth for the public. So by passing this law, they have thrown all of that out. So now, Every single standard of practice, everything that that any medical professional, including nurses, by the way, were taught in their training and is standard of practice care everywhere else and here too, can be challenged and is at the whim of whoever holds the most power in the state house. Wow! So. Yeah. So the precedent here is devastating towards the medical, the practice of medicine in Idaho. And that's why you're seeing, I'm sure you saw the thing, 42% of of, uh, fetal maternal uh, physicians are planning on leaving. So that's why it's not, oh, they love doing abortions. These are people who would not say that they do abortions, most of them. Because abortions are part of healthcare, I mean, I don't want to go into the weeds on that, but they are. We're not talking about elective abortions. So literally to save the woman's life or to save her reproductive organs or whatever, um, they wouldn't be able to do that. And and it, they'd be turned into felons. So that's that's why we don't want to stay is uh, we don't want to be in a state where we could be turned into felons at the whim of Blaine Kanzati.
0: Yeah. Well, and and uh, it was pretty, you know, strange and alarming during the hearings to see, you know, the AMA testify and to see uh, a lot of trans people testify about their personal experience and then to see certain conservative lawmakers even say that they disagreed with the bill, they thought it was problematic, even unconstitutional, and that they had transgender family members themselves and then still vote for the bill.
1: I know. We have no understanding of how that works at all. You know, the other thing that was really super frustrating, and, and the governor alluded to this um, from what I st- understand, I did not read his letter. I, I just wouldn't want to bother. But when people would speak, you would have, say, um, Neil Reagan uh, from uh, Pocatello, who has a, a transgender clinic, expert in this field for 20 years. Then there was the self described 21 year old. <laughs> that was his credentials. And when they would Uh, When the lawmakers would talk about how they were deciding on this case, they would say, we've heard from both sides, and they would equate the 21-year-old with Neil Reagan. And literally, that to the medical community, the physicians that were involved in this, because Angie was right in the heart of all of this, that was completely demoralizing like when they came out of that senate hearing they were all just heads hanging and basically felt like they had just been slapped in the face and told that number one that they had no standards of care that they just did things nilly willy and that they couldn't be trusted and they were probably doing more harm than good and if you ever say those types of things to a physician that you might as well cut their legs off like that that is why they go to work every day so to accuse them of all of those things. It just, it was a kick to the gut. And I think the numbers that you see on the people that are, that are leaving are going to go up and up. Just this week, I had a couple, a gentleman who he's a physician, his wife's a physician, both of them leaving. Mm. And they're long-term physicians. They're people that people would know and they're leaving.
0: Wow. That's terrifying. And Mm -hmm. and like you said, Dr. Regan from Pocatello, an endocrinologist has been doing this 20 years or more even. And yeah, I, I noticed that too. Uh, the testimony of somebody who's like, my name's Paul. I have, <laughs> I have opinions. <laughs> yeah, I can I'm Google. not a doctor, but... <laughs> That was actually a big question I was going to ask you about. You know, Idaho already struggling to recruit and keep medical professionals, not just doctors, and how it's going to be worse, like you're saying, right? It's just going to get so much worse after this bill, after the abortion bill. And they're even saying they didn't get to do things they wanted to do that they're going to do next year in the legislature. Mm -hmm. Do you see this just getting worse every year?
1: Yes, I do. But, again— The caveat to that is I'm a pessimist. So there's that. (laughs) Um, When it comes to the Idaho legislature, I'm a pessimist. Look at it this way. You know, we all went to school with bullies. Bullies don't stop after the first person they beat up. They go Mm -hmm. find the second person and the next person, the next person. So, you know, the reality is in our clinic, in our office, we hear this every week. We have a patient who is a uh, chair of a department at BSU. They're looking for faculty members and You know, they're bringing people here and they're saying, "Okay, so we're we have a legislature that's trying to take public funds away from our educational system to put into vouchers uh, for people who probably already send their kids to to parochial schools or private schools. We're trying to attack libraries and potentially jail librarians. Our physicians are running out the back door, um, but we have the foothills and uh, they're skiing really close. And people are like, "Uh, no.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're like, also, it's really smoky and hot in the summer. (laughs) exactly there are lots of pluses here so yeah
1: (laughs) that's the issue it's really hard because if you think about a young family coming in these are all things that are super important to them and Mm -hmm. you know we all live here so we're like okay fine we have the foothills we have the it's good enough but those people are like why would we leave wherever we are for something that is bad and probably only going to get worse
0: Uh, The ACLU says they plan to challenge this law in court. Um, Are you hopeful about that, (laughs) that it might be overturned?
1: Yeah, I think it will be, and and the reason I think it will be is it's it's a blatant denial of medical care based on gender, which by the way is unconstitutional. You can't do that. But the good news is because we were already going to be fighting tens of you know other bills in this state, this bill is so close to other people's that I don't remember the other states that are already further along in this that when theirs are overturned, ours will be. I guess the word is enjoined or something. Will ours will be taken out too? So that will happen. But here's the problem, Blaine Kenzadi will come back. They will Mm -hmm. figure out a way to make this work and they'll bring it back. I mean, you know, he said to the library people, oh, by the way, Meridian, you're just first. Everyone else in the state, you're next.
0: Well, uh, you said it doesn't really it won't really affect your family so much. But do you have any advice for people listening for the parents of other transgender children in Idaho who are maybe panicking right now?
1: No, I wish I did. The one thing I would say about that is, you know, our family is still completely committed to this fight, like totally committed. And what we're doing, obviously, is all parents are trying to provide a loving, secure, safe uh, home for Eve, but also her friends, because Eve's friend circle has a lot of non-binary, a lot of of kids that are kind of outsiders, and our house is like, you know, home for them. It's always open. They can come here and hang out, and so. We try to provide a safe spot for them. And so even though it won't affect us, we're doing everything that we possibly can to to make sure that those people, you know, the people that are unfortunate, they have kids younger than us, um, you know, have all the support and and love and and whatever that they need. But, you know, my biggest thing would be stock up on medication while you can, you know, And, and I realize that's difficult for some people. But stock up on it and uh, just pray that it gets thrown out. And we were talking to Eve about one of her younger friends at Boise High possibly being part of the ACLU thing because they're younger. And uh, she told us, oh, no, they're moving to Washington. Oh, wow. As soon as this happened, they they made plans or going over this weekend to find a home.
0: Oh, wow. What are you hearing from a lot of those other kids, you know, that are hanging out around the house? What are you hearing?
1: Not much because, you know, we've been kind of swamped around here with other stuff, but I'm sure we will be. And, you know, my anticipation is that they're going to feel the same thing that the physicians were feeling despair. I mean, anytime you are devalued by people who have power over you, that's, I mean, number one, that's a definition of abuse, but forget that. But like, that's just, that's soul crushing. And, you know, kids are pretty good at hiding that stuff, but I, they've got to be just torn up inside. I mean, when the state tells you that you don't have value because of who you are, that, I mean, I don't care what that, what the criteria are, that is a devastating thing. So, you know, I'm sure that they're, as we all would be just completely just torn asunder, but, you know, we'll see.
0: Well, we should mention, I feel like I should say uh, it does not go into effect until January of 2024. So if you are uh, the parent of a transgender child, you have until then to figure things out, whatever way you do that. And maybe it will get overturned in the meantime and and you won't have to deal with the consequences. But, Michael, thank you so much uh, for making time for us today. And thank you so much for all your advocacy in this this area.
1: You are welcome. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening.
0: One more thing before we sign off. Boise State Public Radio is reporting that after more than two years of drought, water managers are now attempting to mitigate possible spring flooding. The Boise River's stream flow is likely to be above normal, and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers has already begun increasing flows from Lucky Peak. So watch out around the river's edge, it is moving fast and high this week. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend? Leave us a review and subscribe to our Hey Boise newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with Boise's favorite plant mom. Bye.